I'm Betsy Reed, and this is The Discomfort Practice, where I talk to creatives, activists, leaders, scientists, and a host of others about discomfort, about the role it's played in their lives, who they are and what they do in the world, and the value of discomfort in helping us move forward as a society. Discomfort is just the edge of your comfort zone, and on the other side are superpowers. So settle yourself in, and let's get uncomfortable. So this is my third episode of the Discomfort Running Buddies formats, and I am posting it as one of the last episodes in season two. So I'm really excited to see how this goes. As usual, I'm sitting across the table, on the floor, in my lounge at home, with a friend, and we're going to talk about something that we both experienced discomfort with, and that is stepping into your own gifts, stepping into your talents, and specifically, stepping into your voice. So as soon as she opens her mouth, you'll understand why that is a crazy thing, because she has a great voice. So I'll introduce my friend, Jen Carr. She is a mind-body nutrition coach, a voiceover artist, and a journalist. She's also the host of Passport Podcast, the Passport Podcast. You can correct me later. But I love your voice, Jen. And we were talking about this recently at a friend's birthday party and about how we like each other's voices, but also about the path of getting there to using that publicly, to really embracing the fact that we're good at something and that people want to hear our voices and that people will hear, like pay to hear our voices, which seems a crazy thing. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Betsy. Yeah. Yeah. The voice, man. The voice. Yeah. And you can hear already from Jen. It's like, hello. So we're going to radio voice you this whole episode. (laughs) Um, I was reading, recently reading City of Girls by Elizabeth Gilbert. We love Liz Gilbert. And there was a a quote in there that actually I thought, this is perfect for this episode. And she says, at some point in a woman's life, she just gets tired of being ashamed all the time. After that, she is free to become whoever she truly is. So we are women in our 40s. We've gone through, you know, the 20s, which you could not pay me to do my 20s again. And then, yeah, 30s, which is like this growing decade. And now we're stepping into our 40s with power and more self-assurance probably than we've either of us has ever had. But of course, that's still not perfect. And we still have these moments of not being comfortable with our gifts. Or what was your journey to getting to the point where you were like, I have something here. I have a good voice. People want it. Were you pushed into it? Did you come to it? You know what? I think it's really been... The last year has been such good fortune for me. Um, I was asked to go on to write Passport or to help Mm. write. And it really was a happy accident, to be honest. Another rooftop party. Hello, Barcelona. (laughs) Another kind of, you know, uh, serendipitous event. Somebody said, oh, do you know somebody that likes writing and has some travel experience? And bingo. Two days later, I was sitting in a bar in the Raval with two producers interviewing me about getting, you know, losing my passport on a bus in Ecuador. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden I had a job and actually it was for the writing side, which is my background. Mm-hmm. But pretty quickly, um, the guys, uh, I don't know, they saw, they saw something in my voice. They, they thought, you know, it'd be great to have another female VO voiceover. And then before I knew it, I was kind of just getting a lot of really good feedback and, Yeah, I stepped into it out of accident, to be honest. And the minute I get in that booth, the minute I start 
reading a script, the minute I can kind of start playing with rhythm and language and storytelling, I kind of, I don't even feel my body. I know that sounds kind of no, weird. No, it's flow state. It's, it's totally a real like out of body flow state feeling. I don't feel nervous. I feel like I can kind of just be. And mm. yeah, it's a really, really nice feeling and not one that I've felt in many other jobs or many other kind of professional wearing other many professional hats, should I say. So you got invited into it rather than having to sort of G yourself up to be like, I'm going to use my voice because mine was the opposite. Last year was obviously so uncomfortable. This podcast was birthed from the discomfort. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like that's the understatement of the decade, <laughs> lifetime, millennium. But I really just felt like it was time to step into the things that were part of my bigness that I had put away or tried to keep small. Mm -hmm. And at the age of 14, someone in my church told me, you have a bedroom voice. And of course, as a 14-year-old, that made me hugely Bedroom voice church. That's bedroom voice. Yeah, yeah, but she meant, it, she meant it as a compliment and I took it that way. But I was like, well, what do I do with this? So because I'd always been in, well, plays, I hesitate to even call it acting, but always just sort of pushed on stage and yeah. made to sing and made to perform and mm. made to read and reading out loud was a big part of my family and my education. Mm. But then from then, I just kind of knew that the voice was something that was mine, that was a power. Yeah. Yeah. And so last year, as I was trying to get out of my own way and really embrace whatever it was that I meant to do next, the voice just kept coming up. And so I started this podcast as a way to put that out into the world and it's been fucking terrifying, to be honest, sure. because it feels so not humble. And and of course, as good girls, we're trained, be humble, mm. don't put yourself out there, don't go big. So yeah, it's, do you think that you would have been able to do that? Or did it need to come to you as an invitation where you were like, oh, I'm using my voice and I love it, but I had, I couldn't have done it on purpose? That's such a great question. And I think um, I too have always felt this sort of power in my voice and maybe haven't really sort of tapped into it or um, appreciated it enough. It got buried in my uh, 20s when I went to uni, but I, I spent my teens in a band, in a rock band. I was the lead singer and I went to Australia. I made an album. I busked around Australia with my ex-boyfriend, my first love. We had this crazy time like making an album in the jungle I mean it was Ugh. it was like I look back now and it's just a complete joke it was ridiculous it was so much fun and I I had this sensation of I kind of I tap into this life source when I sing you mm. know I can really like go for it on my own mm. and in front of other people but I for some reason I didn't keep singing when I went to uni and that was my expression that was my kind of throat chakra that was my mm. sort of power power center and yeah, it completely, I shut it down or I, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't brave enough to keep, keep accessing and keep expanding that part of my body until, you know, the last couple of years really. Wow. So wait, why did you shut it down? That I'm curious, like it oh. did it just happen by accident or you just have opportunities or did you just I did the right away? thing. I did the studious thing. I had, I oh. sang to somebody on a platform at Charing Cross uh, when I was, I don't know, 20 or something, I told him I'd made this album. I missed my last train back to my dad's house in Kent. And I was with this bunch of like, they were all like R&R people. It was crazy. I ended up singing to them on the platform, like doing a little demo. And they said, right, you know, they gave me a business card. 
was like, okay, this could be something, you know, I mean, probably wasn't, but, you know, again, there's my inner critic coming out, but I, um, I never called them the next day. And I just didn't, I couldn't believe that would be my kind of life, you know, my kind of prospect. It seemed too mm. otherworldly and outrageous. And I guess I just thought, no, I'm going to do the right thing and go and study English at university. Oh my God. And focus, you know, and, and all of that, that, I don't know, it's sort of, it's getting retrieved now and it's getting kind of explored through mm. the podcasting. And I just think that's such a, for me, it's quite, it sounds maybe a bit melodramatic, but it's quite healing. No, I totally agree. It's, it's like my friends who are other types of artists where they've been told their whole lives or they've convinced themselves that they can't make a living doing, or it's not legitimate mm. to use your, yeah. your talent, your yeah. artistic side, yeah. because yeah. That's not legit. You have to get a degree. And yeah, I love it. It's I, not real work. You yeah. Know, it's, it's, you know, you're just talking, but what are you doing? You're just talking. Why would you be paid for that? You I know? love it though. Says so the woman with an English degree to a woman with a history degree. Like we really got <laughs> engineering degrees or yeah, something yeah, instead. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. But the self-shaming thing is a really interesting part of that. And the good girl stuff yeah. about like, what you should do and put yourself aside and put yourself away. And, and the fact that it's, your your throat literally your voice is really quite striking isn't it that yeah. we, we chose not to step into our voices yeah and I I I can only speak for myself but I feel like I've grown up with a huge tomboy label I grew up with boys I hung out with boys I dressed like boys and for me now the voice is such an emblem of femininity and feminine power and creativity isn't it? It's, yeah. it's this, this, uh, I'm going to, the first time I'll mention human design, but I'm a manifester. Mm-hmm. And for anyone listening, manifester, the kind of the throat chakra is really key. It's all about, um, your, your position is to inform. It's to inform people what you're doing. It's to, to, to speak, to orate. And, uh, for me, that's, I'm deeply aware now that that's connected to my femininity and mm-hmm. channeling femininity. So, for me, it almost makes sense that I was blocking it in, in my younger years because I was actually blocking my femininity as well. Yeah. And also, I think it might not escape people's notice that both of us have potentially very sensual voices. We can dial that up because it's the same for me. Stepping into this voice, which is deep but in no way masculine, has really been a, about, you know, I'll do corporate workshops and I'll get comments from people that are like, I could listen to Betsy all day, whatever she wants me to do, I'll (laughs) do. And that's uncomfortable if you're not comfortable with your own femininity and power and sensuality. Because back to human design, I'm a projector. And for those of you who don't know what a projector is, my role is to basically take in information and energy from other people and then speak it back to them and guide and have this strategic overview where I tend to be a couple steps ahead of a lot of people. But I don't have a defined throat chakra. So it's about taking in what other people have to say. And in order to have a voice, I need other people to listen, to help me, to sort of reflect back to me what I'm saying. So it's a very different feeling for my voice. I I have to have something that I feel really passionate about saying for mm-hmm. it to kind of come on. Mm-hmm. So that's why being very purpose-led and working on causes and campaigns is so absolutely critical for me to have anything to say. The worst is when I, I'm about to record a solo episode or whatever, and I've had to script it myself. And I just am always like, what do I have to say? But then like you, I get mm. rolling and it just mm. flows. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's, I think yeah. it's such a big piece of this is all about trust, isn't it? Trusting that 
you trusting the, the power within your voice and you know trusting that you you can sit sit in that kind of uncertainty with knowing that maybe it's okay not to know what to say as well mm. you know not that, to have all the answers or um, that it's okay to have people not like what you say and that's okay too yeah, although, I don't know, we spoke about this before when we initially um, riffed off this idea of doing a podcast together, but that's still, I think that's still a whip for me. That's work in progress, you know. I, I'm, I'm still aware that I'm working towards that and I definitely feel like I've let go of the need for approval of everything that I say, but sometimes I still find myself shrinking, you know. Uh, still yeah. find myself playing small or caring a little bit too much about how people will receive something rather than the need for me to deliver it. Mm. Yeah, there's so much there about the voice and then also what you say, because we are both intelligent women who run our own businesses and have things to say. And yeah, that that's a really, it's one to ponder because I'm, I'm sort of getting more comfortable with people not liking me and realizing that there will always be people who just don't like me for whatever reason, and that's okay. Mm. And I actually think doing things like voice auditions and be, being a yoga teacher have been so good for me learning that like those just aren't my students or that just isn't my job yeah. and leaving it for the people that it's for. But at the same time, it is still quite triggering. I want to be liked. I want to be approved of because... It's really hard not to take that on as your own reflection of yourself. Mm. If someone else doesn't approve of you or if someone else doesn't want to give you that job, there must be something wrong with you. But I think it's getting easier. Maybe that is an age thing. But also, I because I hadn't really grasped how much of a musician you'd been. Mm. And do you feel like you've tapped back into some sort of energy that you had then in stepping back into using your totally. voice? Totally. Yeah. Yeah, and it makes me just want to sing so much more. It makes me want to songwrite again. I mean, I have been writing some, some I don't know, uh, excuses for lyrics. I'm not sure, but I I definitely feel like it 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 gives. It's just a power source. I don't know how to describe it, Betsy, mm. but there's something very um, yeah, very very connected when I when I tap into my voice and. Mm. It's almost now that I've retrieved that, now that I know how good it makes me feel, it's, it's a, for me, it's like a daily reprieve. I don't want to give that up. You know, I don't want to go back to doing, I mean, I love writing, you know, it's another big passion of mine, but there's something about the communication and channeling through your voice and yeah. expressing and storytelling and orating that I kind of, it, it enriches me for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I'm one of the things that I miss about being in-house or being the person leading a campaign is that chance to be on stage and the invitations to be on the radio. And also it's easier because it's not about me, it's about a cause. And so it's easier to just say yes and be big in that role because it's not, you know, it's about more than just me. But I think that that uh, I'm getting to the point where I'm stepping into the idea that I'm building my speaking career more and it's yeah. about just being me and that's taken years of confidence to get to for me i'm just really curious what was your trigger or what was your kind of what was the final kind of kick up the bum to to give this podcasting idea a go the realization that the things that scare me the most are the things that are always the most rewarding and because i've been teaching discomfort now for years and pushing people to get to the edge of their comfort zone and then recognizing that 
I had been playing small, which is interesting because when you have a relatively accomplished career, you know, you've done some things you're proud of and people think, wow, you've got a great CV. It's easy to get away with not actually taking bigger steps or pushing your comfort zone. I so agree. Yeah. so agree. Yeah. Yeah. So it was time. Well, I've done this. So, you know, I can kind of play in the shallows for another year or two Mm -hmm. or, yeah. And that is, as you say, the invitation to be scared shitless is actually running run towards it yeah Yeah. and look at who are the expanders you want around you it's that old babe ruth point at the bleachers you know you're gonna Mm -hmm. hit a home run and if you get even half that distance you're doing pretty well and i think we talked about this in our sort of spitballing about this over cocktails about really shutting off your internal bully Mm. and that that voice inside that's like oh you don't deserve this or how dare you or being ashamed of something that might make you stand out and so being willing to be like yeah. all right yeah i might get criticized yeah. i might get random strangers dumping on me on the internet which is what happens when you're a public figure yeah it's like you've got two judges you've got the the external world and then you've got the inner critic which you know for a long time for me has been pretty relentless you know at mm. keeping me uh just in that little small safe box you know don't offend don't stand out don't shine Mm-hmm. I think Brené actually says, doesn't she? She's like, if you're not in the arena, like you can take your opinions and you know what to do with them. Yeah. You know, it's that thing of until you're being as brave and courageous as the people that you critique, then yeah, shut the F up. <laughs> you can swear on this podcast. It's okay. <laughs> but yeah, it, totally. And, and also there's something there about becoming your own friend to the point where when you do get attacked or you do get criticized or people do look at you like, who do you think you are? Mm-hmm. You kind of don't even see that because you're just busy hanging out with your best friend, you. Yeah, yeah. How, do you feel like you have become a better friend to yourself and has that helped you in stepping into your gifts, which are more than just your voice, obviously? Hmm. Uh, almost, yeah. I mean, I don't think I would have been able to say yes to the things that I've said yes to in the last two years if I hadn't allowed myself the license of you don't have to do this perfectly Mm. um and that has been my ball and chain for a long time the 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 curse of perfectionism or the fallacy of perfectionism um so yeah absolutely i think i've i've got a lot better at being able to go give it a go just put you know that little prod that little whisper of but what if it does work out you know but what it is and i wasn't going to do passport i was already i already had a big contract was super busy i mean you know, very fortunate in lockdown to be thrown a lot of work, but um, I just, I had to give it a try, you know, mm. and I'm so grateful that I just said yes. And and I think that was because there was this nugget of self-belief enough that, yeah, you can really, you can really smash this. And it, this could be a really, really exciting avenue to go down. Mm. So, yeah, I don't think you can, I think being a friend to yourself and and having that inner voice even there, you know, but not entertaining it too much. I think that's where I've got to. Yeah, sure, it's still there. I get the critic raising its ugly head if I slip up on a script and I have to redo an edit or I have to whatever. But there is a level of it's cool. Like, so what? You know, Mm. keep going. And the minute I can relax into that version of the voice, then everything just flows again. It makes you more human too when people are listening. Because I've found I have to resist the temptation to edit a lot. And it makes me really uncomfortable to put out a podcast that I'm like, I'm just going to let it, I'm just going to put it out there as is. 
And, you know, it's not like we had any major sound issues or whatever. It's just like, just let the content be what it is. Let it be the conversation that it was mm -hmm. because yeah. yeah, my inner control freak wants to come out and insist that it has to be a certain way. This thing that I didn't even know how to do nine months ago, I'm suddenly a perfectionist about. So mm. it's been a great learning process of just like putting something out into the world that I've never thought I would be doing, being a content producer. Mm. And also like not really caring if people listen. I do care that you're listening to those of you listening. I am absolutely elated and over the moon that anyone listens to this, but that's not why I produce it. I produce it because it's my laboratory, my laboratory for the Americans. But it's <laughs> the place that I experiment with my voice and with what I think. This is as a projector, I really need the space to process out loud. Yeah. So this is how I have really experimented with my thinking, which has led to work opportunities that are often on themes I've touched on in the podcast, given to me by people who don't even know that I do this podcast. So it's just putting an energy out into the world as well. Mm. Do you feel like there is an energy that that is carried with putting your voice into the world? Have you found that it's come back to you in the same way? Like I've gotten work because I'm putting my voice out into the world. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's an energetic, isn't it? Like, mm. like any, it's a creative expression. You're, 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 you're channeling a thought, an idea, a passion, an emotion, or a, you know, a story. Then I always feel like that's, that, that's going to get picked up somewhere, you know, and as long as it hits one pair of ears that it might resonate with in a positive way, then, then sure. And I think that, yeah, it's, it's hard not to see it as an energetic. Mm, definitely. I'm just thinking about, we talked a bit before about a sense of obligation to ourselves and then to others in bringing what's good about us to the world. And that sort of, it ties into energy quite amazingly because when you actually believe in yourself and you believe you have something to bring, you kind of send that out to the world and then people see it that way, I think. So do you... Do you have a sense of obligation to bring your voice or anything else to the world? Because obviously your work is very purpose-driven, very personal. Mm, yeah, yeah. I mean, the whole reason I sat on Mind and Plate was because I had my own quite deep experience with an eating disorder in my 20s. Mm. And um, it wasn't, you know, an intentional, uh, I'm going to go back and make it a full circle and try and help other people in, in who, was, who were in my shoes. But there was, there was definitely a call to study the psychology of eating and understand why people go down very, very unhelpful rabbit warrens with uh, disordered eating and body dysmorphia and so on. And having the backstory that I do, um, being able to being able to riff off that and be able to have that lived experience to be able to speak with authenticity and integrity, not you know necessarily with a gazillion qualifications in the psychology space but definitely my I feel like my lived experience allows me to connect and to communicate about my truth in that space mm. and whoever then vibes off that and wants to find themselves in alignment with my thinking around that it's it for me that's enough and I feel confident enough to be able to speak about that stuff even though maybe I'm not a clinical psychologist so it, that's, you know, that previously might have been a blocker, that sense of yeah. enoughness and should I be speaking about this? Mm. So, yeah, to use my voice in that space and be vulnerable and talk about my experience with anorexia is so important for me mm -hmm. to hopefully encourage other women to say, look, you know, I'm, I'm going through this too and it's okay. But I feel compelled to mm. 
to somehow use what was a really, really tough, challenging chapter of my life and maybe um, hold my hand out, you know, to somebody that's on that road too and and maybe offer some guidance and, you know, some, some safe, a safe space for them. I feel very honoured when people choose to work with me. Yeah. Well, and even just people listening to this can hear your voice. It is a very warm, it draws people in. So it is, it's an asset, it's a gift, and that enhances the work that you feel called to, drawn to. Mm. And I, I, it's the same for me. Like, my voice is part of the offer in my yoga classes. It's, it's sort of embracing that and realizing this adds something to the experience. This mm. allows people to feel safe or really welcomed or really interested. Sometimes there's a difference between using our voices for content that we haven't produced. You know, we're just putting mm. our voice out to the world. And then there's the voice as the conveyor of our, our learnings, our authenticity. Yeah, something a bit more healing. I mm. love this. I love the idea of your voice and the actual the reverberation, the, the phonetics or the, 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 you know, the kind of the, the vibrational quality of a voice like yours, Betsy, mm. which, yeah, I could be in Shavasana forever listening to yours you too. talk. It's why you're on this podcast <laughs> today. I love your voice. Yeah, I, I think there's something so, so powerful in that, actually, you know, being able to surrender to somebody else's voice. And it's like a massage for your ears, you know, and unfortunately not everyone has got that kind of voice. So... <laughs> Yeah, we should maybe do a little sound bath for the ears. But yeah, the the voice and then the content that you carry to the world. Because I know a lot of people who like, they wouldn't say they've got great voices, but still they have something to say. So, you know, if you're listening to this and you're like, well, I don't love my voice. Maybe someone loves your voice, number mm, one. For sure. But also it doesn't even matter if you have like the perfect radio voice. If you have something to say, you have something to say. Yeah. And maybe or you prefer sing. to write it. Yeah. yeah, or sing or write yeah. or pass to somebody else. Come write for somebody else and have them deliver it in their yeah. voice. Yeah. But, yeah. I read somewhere that um, within the chakra system, that the, the second chakra, which is the pleasure center and the sacral and the, the throat, number five, the fifth chakra, they're completely kind of synchronistic. So mm-hmm. from the point of view of creativity, if we're all creators, we can all speak, we can all channel, we can all express, we can all sing, we can all om through our voice, right? In mm-hmm. the same way that the, the sacral chakra is all, all, all ours to own, our pleasure center is ours to enjoy. There's something about the voice that we we, we, can, we need to give ourselves permission to speak and to sing and to chant. and Because I think that itself is is a very sort of healing modality. Mm. You're, you're getting energy out. You're conducting, and I think that's really powerful. You know, I think it's, it can empower the person that's doing it, even if you don't think you're a singer or a, a speaker or you're really introvert. Maybe there's something about playing in the shower, yeah. just singing, just giving yourself that permission, or even humming. Like, yeah, I, I now I get this. Um, cause I've talked a lot about, don't get hung up on what the outlet of creativity is. Everyone is creative. It doesn't matter what it is. You can cook, you can make a cocktail, you can be good at DIY. And I think it is very much the same for finding your voice. I totally agree. Go hum, go yell, go yodel. Don't care. I come from cowboy country. I have a good yeehaw. Like just find something that opens up that space. It's important to me that people free themselves to speak, to be able to breathe yeah. To be able to express sound and express themselves because yeah, hey, patriarchy. That. Yeah, exactly. Or anybody, even even men. I know a lot of men yeah. who, you know, when you feel choked up, you can hear it. 
start listening to people's voices yeah. and notice the difference because I've had a lot of vocal training too. You know, you probably have too voice lessons and speaking lessons and media training over the years and you learn how to open things up and you learn how it feels like right now because I'm sitting and I'm not breathing deeply. I'm a bit constricted and I can hear it and I can feel it and I'm aware of it. But you start to listen to other people and you can hear who's a bit blocked. But I feel like I know some things about people when I hear their voice really tight. Mm. Like, mm. I bet they don't really free, feel free to express themselves. Yeah, or comfortable with vulnerability, mm. you know, because ultimately that's what it's all about, isn't it? The expression of, of truth or your 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 truth is, okay, my, I'm out here. I'm exposed, mm. you know. I've, I've, I've opened my mouth and shared what's going on in my heart or in my mind or my soul and... How the hell is that going to land? <laughs> you know, yeah. we don't know, and you have to be willing, as you said in the in, earlier on, that maybe people aren't going to vibe off that. They're not going to riff off it, and that's got to be okay. People might disagree with you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're taught be you know, yeah, good little girls, be seen and not heard. She's so sweet. She's um, so quiet. Don't talk too much. Don't talk too loud. Well, you know, we just um, be quiet over there. And I, I definitely feel that for me as a kid was. A subliminal and sometimes explicit message um, that I think I've rebelled against forever, <laughs> but did t- take it on board. You know, there have been many, many times where I've just felt shut down and silenced, you know, even in my own family, yeah. especially in my own family, actually. I think that can be the most intense place. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then you take that into relationships and work and the world, and then we help shape the culture yeah. that we live in where it shuts people down. Often women, but not just women, everybody, everybody, Mm. you know, anybody who isn't dominant, it shuts down their voice. As we get older and crazier and more unleashed, what are we, what are we going to bring to the world next, Jen? Oh my goodness. Well, I mean, I train to facilitate a wonderful um, process called Sister Stories during lockdown and Mm. I still haven't held a circle, which is just Shame on me. Shame on me. Well, not that no, much shame. No, shame. no shame. No shame. Just I'd like to do I'd there. like to do it. Yeah. And you know what? The witnessing of other women speaking their stories and just being mm. seen and held and, you know, no no judgment, no, we're going to fix you, no advice, no nada. Just the witnessing space of people being able to share their stories and exactly to this point speak their truth is just, it was like alchemy. That's something that's on my, on my agenda, on my... All right. To do, to create list. Yeah, you heard it here. <laughs> what about you, Betsy? Mm, definitely about, rather than being the facilitator, actually being up there, being on stage and saying the things that scare me. So something that I am building toward is working one-on-one with leaders who are tired of creating systems that break the world and society and want to go radically overhaul and understand and unlearn all of the things that they thought they knew and being the person who speaks hard truths to them and holds space for them and connects them with their trauma counselor. But also I am about to sign up for my first level of training as a sexuality educator, because Mm. that is something that is so missing in leadership. And I'm saying this out loud because it scares me. The basis of the power dynamics you take into your work and shame and repression that then pops out in weird ways. And as a powerful leader, most likely to be men of a certain age. And yeah, as I say, a certain ethnicity. um, Yeah, they're probably going to be middle-aged white men 
Yeah. And I keep being pushed and pulled and drawn into men's work. And I've resisted it for years. And and precisely because I have really embraced my femininity and worked on it, I'm starting to understand that men also need a very feminine being to hold space for them too. Mm, it's that polarity, right? Yeah. 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 And nurturing and just that ability to talk about some hard things in a soft feminine voice maybe, but also... Yeah, to hold space for them to deal with shame about things that maybe they've done in their careers and have been conflicted about or not living totally with purpose in their lives. I'm starting to develop my leadership curriculum. I'm going wow. to be running more and more corporate leadership things. I'm experimenting with doing a lot more women's leadership, mm-hmm. teaching a course on it in the autumn uh, for undergrads about Wonderful. leadership negotiation and advocacy. And power is going to be a big part of that. Like they've never had a lecturer like me. The joy of not having a PhD is that I don't have to stick with the thing. I got a PhD in. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I get to be like, let's be radical. Mm-hmm. And I'm always the lecturer that was like, wow, you're not like the other ones. <laughs> I'd love to be in a lecture of yours. That sounds so interesting. But that's what's next for me is more lecturing, more speaking, actually literally stepping more into my voice. So that's why this this conversation is just so necessary for me because you're helping witness me putting Mm -hmm. this out there in public that this is what I feel called to do and I've resisted it for so long that now it's time. I see you and I hear you. Thank you. Yeah. And what's next for you? Mm, Well, uh, Passport is going through, uh, we're we're being birthed into a bigger beast through Apple. We've got um, a deal with Apple, which is really exciting. (laughs) Wow. So I am doing a lot of voiceover work at the moment for lots of city guides and travel content. And it's going to be a really busy year, but really, really exciting one as well. Going big. Wow. Yeah. So what's Apple doing with it? Are they promoting it? Do they own it? How's yeah. It well, basically we are, the intention is that Apple wants to build a subscription model, a bit like Luminary or Patreon, um, because there isn't actually a kind of consolidated guide that you can download and have an audio insider kind of joining you on your secret little fling to Istanbul. And there's a huge, huge opportunity for us to provide that. Um, with all the flavor and the storytelling and the quirk and the the fun of Passport, which is what made Passport, Passport. Um, But yeah, we've got Apple behind us, so they are going to be pushing us a lot and it's going to be a crazy year of production. But yeah, next year is going to be exciting when it all launches. Oh man. Yeah, that's like going big in a yeah. a big way that everybody knows about if, if it flies it's gonna yeah it's gonna be really really exciting that's exciting yeah wow okay so listen to passport everyone you'll hear jen on please there please listen to passport please listen to passport you'll love it it's the travel that we couldn't do last year so yeah <laughs> oh my god go on vacation in your head and then when you can go in real life take really? it with you really yeah i mean mm. it's not an easy thing launching a travel podcast in the year that nobody can fly but and um, <laughs> we somehow managed to pull it off that's amazing though that you yeah launched a travel podcast in a year when no one could fly and it went that well yeah i think people as you say were just desperate for escapism you Mm -hmm. know in the years so podcasts took off i think in the last few years but covid really they ramped up because i think people just want that you know that entertainment for the ears we're done with our screens we don't want to watch anything more just like 
chuck a podcast on and you're good to go, you know. So, or you can go for a hike. You might not be able yeah, to see your friends, but you can run, put on a podcast. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. Cooking dinner is my one. I just love throwing on a new podcast, learning something. And at the end of it, you've got a meal as well. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I listen to podcasts while I cook. And I walk places rather than take the metro because I can listen to yeah. podcasts. Yeah. So, well, not my podcast, but a podcast. I, I mean, if I was you, I'd listen to my own podcast I, just, I do boys. listen to my podcast. <laughs> won't lie, it's one of my guilty pleasures because actually, no guilt. No guilt. there you go. I like I like my voice. I like listening to my voice. Yeah, and also it's a good way to refine it. You know how it is. So you listen to it and you go, "Ooh, yeah. I could drop a little bit there or slow down." I do speak too mm. fast for non-native speakers quite yeah. often. I and get excited. And the breath. You know, mm. one of the trainings we did was before. You have to present or you have to speak or record or do anything. It's, yeah, and then go. You know, there's something about it just cools the nervous system. You're not coming at kind of a stressful pace. Yeah. And it works. Yeah, it really does. Anybody who wants to think about that, just take a breath anytime. It does calm your nervous system. Yeah. 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 But it does help you get into your voice. Yeah. I always make sure my feet are on the floor and I take a big breath in and out. Usually three and then hit it because everything's a presentation now that we're all on Zoom all the time. Yeah. Mm. I, if I have like back-to-back meetings all day, usually workshops, I have been basically on camera all day. Yeah. It's a performance. It is, you know, and I feel like to that point, it's a different kind of stress than if you'd been in in-person meetings. I, I get off Zoom and I'm way more tired mm. than, you know, the general, you know, body intonations you understand you know if you're in a, if you're in a room if you're in a meeting there's always the chance to go for a coffee and take five and yeah the zoom performance oh i feel like i could do a whole episode on that oh my god <laughs> the eye Exhausting. fatigue alone yeah because you're not like if if i'm chairing something or i'm speaking you're looking around at different depths and you're making eye contact and you're looking at your notes and yeah zoom it's the same distance yeah. for yeah. hours and you're trying to not blink too much yeah. and trying to have basically yeah. like it's like being a children's tv presenter sometimes yeah. it's a bit yeah. bonkers yeah but yeah well uh, turn off your self-view is the best tip anyone ever taught me yes oh yes. my gosh i yes. wish i'd known that at the beginning of the, the pandemic like turn off your self-view people it's super helpful yeah take a breath yeah and then slow down it's way less stressful to speak slowly mm. actually isn't mm. it yeah any other vocal tips I mean, ultimately, getting yourself into a a place of feeling comfortable and calm. And I think that translates through a voice so quickly, you know, in the same way that if you have a public speaker, you you know within a millisecond if that person's nervous, right? That just even if they're not speaking fast, there's a sort of a tension in the voice. Mm. And I think, yeah, understanding the power of the breath for me and taking that that taking that extra five minutes of walking around if I'm in a doing a recording in a studio. I'll just walk around the block a few times and do a bit of humming and just like literally mm. warm the, the vocal cords mm-hmm. up, you know, and that seems to help. Um, but yeah, for me, breathing, calm, collected, mm. and also just giving myself the, the pat on the back that if it, if it fucks up, then no one's, no one's dying. You, you know? can edit it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nothing can ever go completely off the rails if it's recorded because you can edit it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I always think body language as well. Like have a comfortable chair that Mm. supports you in being in a good posture. Because if you're hunched over or like your legs are crossed and you're fidgeting, it's, it's tense. It creates tension. So true. And to that, to that point, I have a really good tip for anyone listening. 
uh, I've started doing some uh, personal training in Barcelona on the beach. And the guy in every session, the personal training is like, do the Superman pose, the <laughs> Superwoman pose. I'm doing it right now, everyone. I'm, and I'm it's like, it put you. your hands on your hips. And it actually, um, they've done studies on this and it cuts your cortisol by 27% because you are literally sending a message to your body that you are safe and you're in control. Yeah, because that part of you is super vulnerable. There's Mm. a researcher at Harvard called Amy Cuddy who did that Mm. research. I just love it. It's true. Just like power pose, people. Power pose. Just picture Wonder Woman and do that. Yeah. Yeah. Emulate her for three minutes and you'll find yourself. Yeah. You're sticking your chest into the world. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good tip. The power pose is a great one. Yeah. Well, I get anxious and sometimes it's not related to anything and sometimes it's because I have a million things on. But just, you know, from yoga breath, if you do pranayama where you just do, some people call it espresso breath, where it's just very rapid inhale, exhale Mm. through the the Mm. nose Mm. (laughs) and just do 30 rounds of that and then hold it at the end until you can't hold it any longer and then just completely let go after that like exhale and let go Mm. it is just like undoing all the tangles Mm. it really helps yeah but it's it's a powerful one also like just clenching your fists and your face and your eyes and just squeeze 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 and then release like the tension release is a really Mm. useful thing yeah that's so true actually the jaw and Mm. i think you know the breathwork sessions that i've done over over the years the, the jaw is where i actually hold a lot of tension as well and they always say you know let it go like massage the jaw scream yeah you know there's something's in there that's blocked like something needs to be released and i just find that really interesting as well that the throat can be the seat of so much emotional blockage which yeah. is why it can also be the center for so much emotional healing I yeah think, as well well that's also a good point about your throat might be open but if your jaw is clenched and nothing's coming out of your mouth exactly it's gonna sound up in your head and yeah. you can't really access that deeper voice yeah Yep. Also a picture, like when I'm trying to like get into this sort of deeper delivery where I'm dropping my voice and it's more, I don't even know what it is. It's when I want people to really listen to me, when I want people to lean forward and try to hear what I'm saying, even if it's on the radio, I drop it down to, I feel like it's my toes, but it's sort of the, the base of my lungs mm. and just kind of get into, and that's a breath technique that I learned from singing, yeah. you know, where yeah, it's the just diaphragm. like the yeah. diaphragm thing. Yeah. But I think of it, if you go all the way to your toes, especially if you're standing, like if you really yeah. engage your legs, it's mm. so powerful. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I find sometimes when I'm podcasting and tor- storytelling, um, I'm kind of speaking with my whole body. I don't mm. know. There's something very sort of you know there's a lot of motion to me I'm not just sort of wooden standing there in the booth kind of ah, reading off a script there's this sort of playful yeah. energy that comes through me and I feel like that's very necessary and I think that also gets received by the audience better mm. you know that that sense of um yeah I'm channeling something yeah beyond just the words you know well, and even when people don't know that you're moving, they'll feel it. You're mm. moving the energy. I used to train people to be on camera, you know, sort of for media interviews. And I would always teach them how to sit and sit on your hands if you're a hand talker. And now it's nice to be in a slightly less formal world where we've all been on Zoom meetings all year. And it's okay to use your hands when you yeah. talk, but yeah. it's one to be conscious of. But it's nice to be able to be a bit more dynamic. Because as you say, if you're able to move and express yourself as you as you speak, it it brings a different energy. Absolutely. And it's a shift. And I, and I mm. think to that point about Zoom, this whole idea of etiquette and what you should and shouldn't show, I think, fortunately, I think we're now in a 
um, there's been a bit of a paradigm shift about what we can and can't communicate and you know that idea of actually I am a human being I don't mm. have to put on the jazz hands performative I think people warm and are relieved when you know there's just an expression of truth through body language and yeah. through you know informalities so I feel like that's also relevant for the voice you mm. know this idea of you can you don't just have to be in uh, different camps when it's professional or personal I think the voice can transcend all of that Mm, it's interesting what you say about just the ability to sense truth when someone's telling the truth it's like when you talk about somebody only smiles with their mouth Mm. you know they only smile with their teeth no nothing in the rest of them is smiling and you can feel it I think it's the same with the voice isn't it people can we can hear when somebody's being authentic we can hear when somebody's being real it's why I love listening to Brene Brown read her own books because then you have it all. You have yeah. a fully rounded yeah. experience. Yeah. So yeah. True. I guess this has just been a really nice meander through stepping into your gifts, some vocal tips, some just thoughts about throat chakras and human design. Mm. Is there anything you'd like to just sort of say to end, you know, where, where you've come from, where you are, where you're going? I mean, I definitely think the voice is going to be um, my voice is going to play a bigger role in my future. I actually kind of put that out there into the world, into my intentions for 2020. It was use your voice. I literally Mm. wrote it down and um, it's coming, you know, and it's not coming out of busting my balls trying to, to get it. I'm feeling that if I use this instrument and I embrace the fact that I feel comfortable doing something, then more is coming and I don't have mm. to seek it. It's a, it's a very fluid thing for me, which is amazing because I've, like everybody else, I'm sure, I've spent many times sort of swimming upstream in certain areas of professional exploration and thinking, why the fuck am I not getting anywhere? I'm putting so much work in. I'm working so hard, you know, the, the Anglo-Saxon, yeah. but I'm working hard, you know. And yeah. really not getting there. And actually I'm realizing that some things you don't need to force mm. and don't need to chase and don't need to keep striving for. Maybe if it's the right fit, the energetic fit, it will come to you. And this really seems to be what's happening to me vocally at the moment. And I'm just mm. super grateful for that. Ah, oh, that's beautiful. Don't you love it when you discover something in your life that will probably unlock other areas of flow? Yeah. Learning to just be at ease and see that things come to you without your having to work your ass off yeah, means you can then start to relax in other areas of your life that you thought you had to be a good girl or work your ass off at or be a certain way or fit in the uniform or whatever. Totally agree. I, I literally never used to buy this whole, you know, the, the be, to be, ex, the be magnetic, is it? Lacey mm. Phillips and, you know, all the kind of, um, the, these, um, types of people that speak of, it's all about energetics, all about being in flow and just get in flow and it'll come to you and nobody has to, you don't have to need for anything. And I really used to think that was a load of shit, to be honest. <laughs> and on some level, I still possibly do. I still think you need to put yourself out there and like do your stuff and get, you know, get your... Oh, they're still hustling. There's still a hustle, right? Yeah. We're not all just sitting and floating on a cloud eating, you know, I know, strawberries <laughs> But... I do think that when stuff is in alignment, you really, things start, things start coming towards you and, and it's the opportunities at least start presenting themselves. Whether you say yes or you pursue that is another thing. But mm. um, that for me has been really exciting to witness that and be, be yeah, 
be central to that in the last couple of years. That's brought me a thought that I think is actually probably the best way to end, which is just don't shut something down just because it's easy. Like follow that flow and mm. and don't be afraid to step into something because it's easy. You know, like there was the initial, oh, it's a little scary to step into our gifts, yeah. you know, whatever that is, our voices or your gifts if you're listening. But step into thing that, the thing that's easy for you and let it be easy. Stop yeah. trying to make it hard and then just yeah. see where it takes you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we could go into lots of different avenues with that, but you know, the saboteur for why is it, mm-hmm. why is it coming to me? Why, why is this good stuff happening to me? When's you know? it going to stop? Yeah. 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 Waiting for the shoe to drop as yeah. Brené always says to quote her for the 50th time. I but She's yeah, so- that's, I love that. You know, let things be easy. If they flow, they flow. Don't, don't question it. Mm. That's what I want to leave people with. Yeah. Go with what's easy. Quit the struggle. Step into your gifts. Yeah. embrace the big things that are waiting for you and stop shutting them down mm. because you think you don't deserve them or you're not supposed to have them or your mother will disapprove or whatever gets in your way just yeah. let it be easy instead agreed and allow you know allow that process to unfold as the vulnerability of using your voice becomes more comfortable things will shift mm. I, I don't doubt that at all ah. alright well leaving you with Jen Carr, and the message, let it be easy. Jen will probably be back at some point talking about whatever our next episode of Discomfort (laughs) Running Buddies needs to be together. Thank you for being here, and I will speak to you soon. Thank you to my team who helped me produce this podcast, to my brilliant editor, Dimitar Svetkov, to Thomas Sheffer for the original music, and to Luis Amaro for the original artwork. If you enjoy this podcast, you can help me reach new listeners by leaving me a five-star and written review on Apple Podcasts, following me on Spotify, or anywhere else you love to listen to podcasts. You can also follow me on Instagram at TheBetsyReed. That's B-E-T-S-Y-R-E-E-D. If you're interested in bonus episodes and guided meditations I record regularly, head over to Patreon.com and become a supporter. For the price of a coffee each month, you get access to a community. So there's really only one thing left to say. Thank you for spending time with me. Stay uncomfortable. <laughs>